slash fit with Abraham Lincoln. Louisiana Purchase, that's a name. You need to really get off my balls, okay? I'm gonna kick your ass. Also, why was Michelangelo so stinky? Ew. Welcome to episode 303 of the All Can Hear It podcast. I'll be your host today, Patrick. And we have a very special episode of AYCH for you this week. I sit down remotely to have an interview with an up-and-coming artist in the horror community. Her name is Brianna Tippetts. She has a collection of self-illustrated original graphic novels. She's been featured in Fangoria Magazine, and most recently, she has a brand new graphic novel coming out that she's illustrated, and she's worked in tandem with horror actor and director Josh Rubens called Darla. We'll be discussing this brand new graphic novel, her artistic process, her inspirations, her horror favorites, and just a whole lot more good horror conversations, so... Please enjoy my interview with Brianna Tippis. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a very special edition of the All You Can Hear podcast. I'll be your host today, Patrick. And joining me today, I have a very special guest. Please give a warm AYCH welcome to Brianna Tippetts. How are you today, Brianna? I'm good. How are you today? Doing very well. I think it's uh, a long time coming. We've been talking as mutuals on Twitter and Instagram and just sort of like retweeting each other's art and just talking a little bit. But I think it's uh, fun that we finally able to sit down and uh, just have a nice little conversation about some of our mutual interests and plus a big project that you're working on that I'm very excited to hear more about. Yeah, I'm excited too. And to just let our audience uh, know about who you are, why don't you give a little brief summary of who you are, what you do, and sort of like what your interests are. Okay, yeah. Um, so I'm Brie Tippetts. Um, I'm really interested in like horror art, horror comics, um, and making them. Um, I also like to do some fan art as well, um, just to get my painting bug out. Um, I'm from Las Vegas, Nevada. I lived in Alabama for a while, and that's where I met Patrick. Um, and uh, now I'm back in Nevada. Um, but yeah, I, I like to make comics. I hope to do it full-time at some point but yeah that's that's kind of what I do <laughs> and I remember when we first met because we both would sell art at on um, the different shows and events at our local comic book store the comic strip owned by friend of the show and host of our sister program Cajun Greatness which is a Nicolas Cage movie review podcast just to sneak a little plug in there for the network it hosts a lot of art and we got to meet through there and I just really have an affection for your art because I just think it's on the surface very like i would say cute and like endearing but there's like a a side to it that's a little disarming as well and i think that's a very interesting part of how you portray your version of what horror looks like and just to talk a little bit about that what was your development of your art style to lead in this i guess interpretation of horror I, I mean, a whole lot of things, I guess, which thank you, by the way, um, for the compliment on the art, and I love your art as well. Thank you. Um, but a lot of things, uh, you know, uh, for, like, the, the way I do the inking, probably Mike Magnola, I like the heavy darks and shadows and stuff. 
I guess the the I've been trying to think about where that like happy but creepy comes in and I think it's just I've always had this love for Tim Burton and his work and I like how he can make spooky stuff still really lovable um I, I don't know something about that is just fun the Adams family that kind of stuff has always made me happy I like the darker stuff too but for some reason my brain just doesn't go there <laughs> like yeah. on its own so uh I think I kind of delve towards more of like the comedy and the whimsical with horror and I think it, that works really well because like horror in itself is just so broad and it encompasses so many different things and plus what every person finds scary is is very broad in itself so like I think that is why horror is one of my favorites on even though I'm still fairly new into this as a interest as it's just just right away I love just like how just diverse it is and and there's room enough at the table for everybody especially even if it sounds like oh that's that looks like a storybook then you get when you dig a little deeper it's like oh this looks a little unnerving which like I think that's a very interesting quality about your art and how you make your stories and one thing I personally like about it is that it's traditional art I mean I know you, you dabble in digital as well but from by and large, what I've seen from you, it's it's sort of like paints and pens. And for you, why is traditional art your avenue, your chosen avenue for art? I've always just worked traditional. I've I'm just like an old person when it comes to like tablets and stuff. Like like you said, I kind of tried to dip my toes, and I was like, this is too much. I don't have the patience. <laughs> like I don't get how it all works. Like I can kind of figure out how to do it, but like. I'm so used to traditional medium. I'm just like, it's my go-to. It's like second nature. Like I just have a comfort level there that I don't in digital. I wish I did because um, people really like digital stuff now, but I just, my brain just doesn't work like that. I try, but. <laughs> no, I understand that because I'm a traditional artist myself. And like, to me, I just loved like the immediacy of like just grabbing like a pen and paper and drawing. And I know you, with like tablets and pen, that's easier to do too, but I don't know. There's just something about the tactile feeling of just like putting paper to pen that I really enjoy. And like, you know, watercolors. And you, do, you work a lot in watercolors yourself, correct? Yeah, yeah. I, I also, like you said, with the immediacy, I feel like when you're on a tablet, like I'm too impatient with the pen doesn't pick up the line as quick as like your pencil would. And so I don't know how to adjust my brain to that quite well. <laughs> But yeah, and it's sort of funny thing that there's like kids coming up now that they never learned to draw traditionally. They like a pen and paper, like they learn to draw just through tablets, and that's that's not bad, of course. But like for someone who's, I guess for like us who's like always had a pencil and paper nearby to like not immediately go to that, it's feels a little weird especially oh i'm like crap can't find my sketchbook dig around to find my ipad to like draw something down real quick it's it, it's a different sensation it is yeah it is yeah that is interesting though i didn't realize there are kids already that are just learning that way that's trippy uh, i guess to get into a little bit about your current project you have a graphic novel that you have illustrated called darla and i would love to hear a little bit more about that how you got this opportunity to you know make a I published a comic book like this. Yeah, so it's still trippy to me that as well. Um, so I I started out I've I've like I said I make fan art I make comics um, and I've always just put it online. And as soon as Josh came out with Scare Me, Josh Rubin, the 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 director that I'm working with on the book, um, as soon as uh, he came out with Scare Me, I was blown away. Loved it. Did fan art. His editor, weirdly enough, like shared it and then he saw it and then he started to like follow my art and we kind of started like having conversations about art and film and I did fan art of a lot of his stuff and 
at one point I sent him a copy of Rictus, my other graphic novel, um, just to kind of show him what I was working on. And he's like, we got to work on something together. Let's do a comic. And he had a script that, you know, he hadn't made into a film yet. It didn't get greenlit, but he really wanted to make it. So he's like, let's do this one. And he sent it over and, uh, and then I kind of started my thing. <laughs> I mean, that, that's just an incredible opportunity. And like, I really glad you said that you, you know, you did a lot of fan art and, and, and a point in time where people have been very, are trying to diminish the worth of fan art that, you know, you essentially got this gig from just drawing something that you liked and putting it out on the internet and that got people's attention. So that in itself is like a success story, I would say. And like, honestly, it's just a cool opportunity to work with like this up and coming, like actor and director in horror. I mean, he's been around for years. I remember watching him on college humor like 10 years ago and now he's got like all these different (laughs) movies under belt. That's an incredible opportunity. And in terms of translating his script to picture and to art, what was your process for that? Um, I kind of treated it how I treat my comics. When I make mine, I, um, I, I had a professor in college who, who taught me how to like ink comics and had kind of shown me what like scripts looked like because he had done it for Bongo Comics for years. Um, but I, I kind of did it how I did when I would work with my own scripts, which is, um, you know, it. I mean, I very much write my scripts the same way as like a movie script where you have the descriptions, how it looks. But with his, I kind of had to break it apart more. Um, But yeah, I just tried to really focus on how would this look as a scene? How would this look as a film? And then I'd break down on the side what a page would look like that could like visually go well into like breaking apart the angles and who would be looking at who and that kind of a thing. Um, but yeah, I started out by doing the little panels and sketching it out and then eventually would add in what words would go in and stuff. So. Okay. Uh, Cause I know that that is a, a very different sort of like process, especially, you know, working from your own mind is easy, you know, exactly how you want to picture it, but then like having to not only express what the writer is trying to make, but also how you envision it and like finding a happy medium between the two is like were were there like any difficulties in like in that or was it a very like smooth process and sort of like translating that story um with him it was pretty nice because he's a visual person too so it was like at the beginning he kind of gave me like a deck of images of what he wanted the characters to look like originally kind of what the setting would look like so I already kind of had a background of what he wanted Um, and then I drew in some character sketches and everything before I took it to Paige and got his approval there. Um, but he was really cool about, like, letting me kind of take over this world he created and kind of add my own little twist to it. Um, and then when it got to the pages, um, the thing that I found tricky since it wasn't my own writing was I didn't want to take away too much of his dialogue. So we started out having way too much dialogue (laughs) because I didn't want to take away from his writing. Um, so it was actually kind of nice. It was cool. He was like, no, no, we want more art, less, less of the words. So it was kind of neat to like, know that my words or my art could take over, which was cool. But yeah, it was definitely a learning process working with another person's writing, like you said. And plus I, I know just from a little bit of experience in, in terms of like making comics on like a more like personal recreational basis, it's a very time consuming process. Like I remember you know, just like just little fun stories I came up with, like I would be a whole day gone just coming up with something. So what was the timetable for you working on this? Was it a few months, few weeks? Like how long has that process been? 
months. I I started, I want to say June or July of last year, we kind of started like spitballing like the characters and that kind of stuff. Um, and then I started doing my page layouts and then, yeah, by about like July, I started really getting into making the full pages and I want to say I finished like after, cause we went through a couple of editing sessions with, with Josh and with the publisher, um, Invader Comics. Um, so we were probably done just a few months ago, like maybe February. So yeah, it was, it was a long process, especially when you have more people involved. It was, uh, it was funny. Usually when I do it on my own, it's a few months, but not quite that long. But when you have all the edits, it, it takes a lot longer. <laughs> it's a really impressive how anything gets made, especially when there's like all these moving parts and all these people involved. But I'm very excited to, to read your book and that'll be coming out in uh, May, correct? Yes. May 31st so crazy <laughs> and just to give a little bit into what the story is itself about we talked about how we the process of making it but if you would please let our listeners know what is the story of darla about so darla is this kind of cranky old woman um you know kind of living in like the south in a town kind of based off of a dairy a little bit and like a lot of stephen king um towns was kind of the vibe josh wanted to go for and uh which i'm all down for i love stephen king um but she's this cranky old lady in a small town and she's got all these issues going against her where she's you know um she's had a work-related accident so she's taking all these medications and they're making her a little funny um she kind of has a husband who doesn't really pay attention to her um an estranged daughter who there may be some backstory stuff there going on um and she's just kind of really lonely. The town has a fracking problem, so there's issues with the water too. So you don't really know quite what's wrong with her, but she kind of makes friends with this monster. Um, and I don't want to give too much away, but from there it just gets a little crazy <laughs> after she starts friend. <laughs> I mean, that, that sounds like a very intriguing story because I know there's been kind of a an increase in horror protagonists that are like more A's and like are either like like dealing with like the struggles of you know just getting older or like how society sort of like push older people off to the side and then plus the, this like undercurrent of general alienation environmental fears with like fracking I think that's all very interesting how that all ties together uh did you take any like visual inspiration or artistic inspiration during the process of this like like what movies were kind of playing in your head when you're kind of putting this together i mean uh, for one of the pages in particular um he had written in the script he wanted it to look like the opening scene in midsummer so i literally went back rewatched the scene and like made sure the panels kind of were similar angles or thought process to how that was shot but yeah, it, it's funny, like you said, there's not a lot of like crazy older people movies. It's kind of becoming more of a thing. It was definitely like a political angle with this one too. There's a little bit of nod to, you know, the craziness that was going on a few years ago and honestly, kind of now. But yeah, I know for him, a big one that he kind of was like, this is kind of what's inspired a lot of it was like the dead zone and that kind of, you know, Stephen King. So yeah, Stephen King vibes all the way through. <laughs> yeah. I am very uh, pleased that we have like a, I just say unique horror protagonist in that like this is an older woman and especially like with like the mo the most recent uh, Texas Chainsaw reboot from Netflix and like the the Halloween trilogy reboot like I just love the idea of just like brassy older woman being like the, the focus of the story and like like just like a, a seldom seen perspective in that. 
I think it'll be a very uh, interesting read, just from what I know for your art being seen very story bit light, but then more into it, it starts it's like, oh, this, oh, this would be a cute story, but then you realize there's a a lot more happening underneath the surface, and I think that's very much what your story is about. I guess just to move on to our next point of discussion, like we talked about, maybe what influenced. Uh, the, the making of the book so like what are sort of your general influences like in terms of like getting into horror what made you want to you know pursue horror as like an interest like oh this is something I really like yeah I mean it's funny I, I talked to my parents about this but like I since I was little I was drawn to it it's my my family's not into it my brother's not even into it like I just on my own got into it and it was just, it's funny. I mean, my dad would watch the Universal Monster movies with me as a kid. And, like, you know, I'd watch some of the classic stuff. Star Wars definitely helped with, like, the creatures and the monsters and that as well. Anywhere I could get creatures. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't honestly know. I just always liked the spooky stuff, the gory stuff. I think maybe part of it's I'm a tiny little girl and people don't take me seriously. But it's kind of cool to feel tough because I like this stuff that normally freaks out. You know, sometimes even grown men, like... I don't know, something about it, I just, and visually, it's just so, as an artist, like, aesthetically pleasing compared to a lot of other genres. I think so, like I said earlier, like, I'm a pretty new convert in terms of, like, a horror fandom, like, and what got me into it was art, because I would see some really interesting and sometimes even very unnerving art on Twitter, and I was like, okay, I want to find out more, and then in just the last two years, like, I would say horror is, like, a like, a main point of interest in terms of, like, you know, I, I love wrestling, I love tokusatsu, I love horror, and I feel like it's one of my main interests now, and and just, like, diving into it, and I just have, like, a wealth of things to enjoy, and then from movies to, like, comics, like you said, and in novels, I feel like it's just a an embarrassment of riches that this, that how much there is in the horror genre. Yeah, there's so much. And like, I feel like horror comics a few years ago, it was like, I really had to search for it and find ones that were horror specific or really actually felt spooky. And then lately, it seems like every time I go to the comic book store, the horror section just grows and grows and grows. It's so cool. It's really neat to see expand in both mediums. I mean, it's definitely been like a joy to see. Like as a new fan, like I have so much new stuff in addition to the old stuff. But what are some horror comics that you have really gravitated toward? And what were some you would recommend? Um, honestly, anything Junji Ito I really like. Um, I mean, I, you know, I feel like everybody goes straight there. But I really, it's, it's such a different style from, like, American horror. It's so surreal, the artistry to it. Um, and I love how it just almost feels... It's almost David Lynchy, where it like feels like a dream. His artwork to me, uh, I really like the Ice Cream Man comics. Those are really fun to me. How they're kind of different every issue. I'm about to say that was an, uh, an anthology's uh, comic series, right? Yeah, yeah. I really like that it's different because I I'm kind of like bad at following with series, embarrassingly enough. Um, so that was when I was like, oh, I can just pick up a random issue and I can still keep up and it's still fun. And I, I really like the art style of those as well. And anything Joan and Vasquez, I don't know if that really counts, but he's kind of got that darker, like Johnny the Homicidal Maniac and stuff. I like those ones. Favorites from horror comics, uh, Harrow County, if you ever read it. I've read a couple of them. Yeah, they're really, the art's beautiful. Just beautiful watercolor art. And I just, I really enjoy it. One that caught me by surprise is called, um, Maniac of New York. It's it's also a, like another like watercolor type art. 
However, it takes a lot of inspiration from Jason Takes Manhattan. Essentially, there is a Jason Voorhees-type character that just shows up in New York City and he just wreaks havoc to the point where he's considered a natural disaster. <laughs> That's awesome. You have like essentially like Jason's shelter, just like little corner people can dive off to if he just shows up one, one day down and starts you know carving a bloody path and it's about this one detective who's trying to figure out where he comes from and how can he just like appear and disappear and why is he no one been able to stop him because literally the reason why he's, he's he was designated as a natural disaster is because no matter what sort of armaments they use against him he can't die he, he just won't stop and basically they have to wait for him to get bored and go somewhere basically it's a really sort of like harrowing story about this one detective as she tried to figure out this case and that was the first trade and i think there's a there's a second series going on right now that's one of my favorites picked it up on a whim really loved it i think that would be one to to, to search out as well yeah i'll have to check that out i like the sound of it <laughs> there's one i picked up the other day at the comic book store but essentially it's about this long-haul trucker who is strange from his family and he's going to make a delivery but he accidentally gets into a car accident with a, a, a young couple on the side of the road. But when he meets with the young woman who is driving the car, in a weird instant, they are transported to like this barren wasteland and it's surrounded with these sort of like almost puppet-like flesh monsters that seem very like detached from what's happening until you get right up on them. And then they seem to drift in and out of, of this plane of existence and basically, they have to deliver this strange human-like chunk of mineral to an unknown destination while drifting in and out of this dimensional plane. It's very interesting. I like that. <laughs> Some just off-the-top-of-my-head horror comics that I've really enjoyed. Nice, yeah. This episode of All You Can Hear is brought to you by Radco. Do you love t-shirts, but your sense of style and humor might be a little different from everyone else? Then let us suggest Radco. Radco is a southern t-shirt company with designs that embrace gender and sexual diversity, economic and environmental activism, and have just all around just bizarre and hilarious ideas. So if you want to inject a little creativity to your wardrobe, go to rad-code.net and type in AYCH23. That's all caps, one word, A-Y-C-H, the number two, the number three, at checkout for 10% off your very first order with the website. That's rad-co.net. You can find a link to the website in the description of this episode. So check that out. It'll be well worth your time. Now, back to the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the second part of my interview with Bree Tippett. And uh, I remember the comic I was talking about, the name, sorry. It was Phantom Road by Jeff Lemire, art by uh, Gabriel Halta. So I would recommend that one. Uh, ask your local comic book store for that and any other ones we talked about. And I think moving on to our next topic, uh, we talked about comics. I think we talked about probably the most accessible form of horror for people in movies. And what are some of the recent horror movies that you've been watching? What's What have you seen that's new and it's like okay i really like this i want to see more of this so uh, what's been on your um, watch list lately? um recently um barbarian was interesting it was definitely not what i was expecting i don't know if you've watched that one but that was not what i thought i was getting into but it was fun it was definitely interesting 
um another older woman character too uh, let's think megan was a good one i have to say though i as much as um i love the director's work i was expecting it to go way further with how creepy ai could be like i want to see that world go even further if that would be possible um and then smile is another recent one that i really liked really different I, I've heard a smile I, on the show. Colt Wenzel, they saw it. They seemed to really enjoy it. I went to go see Megan with basically the extended show family, and we hooted and hollered the whole way through. You would think we're the only ones having that, in that theater having a good time, but uh, Megan was a lot of fun. I know your mileage may vary for that just from like James Wan, and uh, I mean, we love Malignant. So Megan was right up there. Yeah, Malignant was amazing. Yeah. Anything James Wan does. I I mean Dead Silence is one of my favorites and I'm glad people are starting to look back at that one cuz anything puppets for me is just amazing. <laughs> Because I, I was going to touch on that just for a second. I know uh, that's like an underrated favorite for some. I know a uh, friend of the show, Canon, that's one of his favorite horror movies. Actually. It's so good. It's so good. And the end is like such a fun twist. And again, like since I was a kid, I just always thought puppets were cool. At one point, I wanted to go to like the school that offered a puppeting degree. And like, I've been way too into puppets in my life. But yeah, it, it's one of my favorites. <laughs> I watched Orphan First Kill late last yeah. year and the funny thing is like i never saw the original but like just because 10 years of just like memes you know what, what the, the plot is and i was pretty pleased with it it's it's silly and it's wild and i just love the idea that there's like a grown woman pretending yeah. to be you know like a, a nine-year-old i mean that's the plot of the first movie but like just literally like a almost 30 year old woman is playing a nine-year-old and like i loved a bit and how you know, it was like Lord of the Rings in that. It was like they did a lot of like camera perspective and like giving all the other actors like stilts and like lifts. And it's silly, but I had a heat. It was a, it was a lot of fun for me personally. Barbarian, like you said, that was like a really big surprise to watch that in a theater was just everybody just like gasping and freaking out. Like, I'm, I'm glad that we're able to go to theaters again because I, that's one that I feel like you definitely need to see in like a group of people. Not to hype it up too much because no, that can always bite you in the in the back, but that one was a lot of fun, and I'm really excited to see Evil Dead Rise. Like that's like the big one that's coming out. That I was like, okay, I have to see this. Hell, that's what water. I was gonna say. Like movie theater wise, that's one that I'm like, okay, that's a you have to go to the theater to like f- experience that. That and the um, I'm excited. It's like the year of demon movies, but um, what's that new A24 one? The uh, Talk to Me or whatever. That they just released. Yes, I I heard of it. I haven't seen the the trailer. But I heard that was the trailer may be a little disarming, but the movie itself is supposed to be like a real clincher. It's just like it's very intense. Oh, I, I hope so. It, the those both are like I've heard an, a, a critic say this recently, and it's how I kind of feel. But it like it makes you happy to be a horror fan right now. Like these kind of movies coming back that are like made for like fans and for the audience and. It's it's such a cool time to be in horror. That and Shudder. I love all the stuff coming out of Shudder. Um, like <clears throat> Wounded Fawn and Blood Relatives were really good ones um, that I really liked that have come out recently. We're definitely a Shudder household. Um, did you watch Deadstream? I think it was on Shudder. <laughs> yes, and it did not that disappoint. <laughs> Upcoming horror. I'm excited to see Last Voyage of the Demeter. Yes, I know. I'm excited because I'm like that's when my husband's not as into horror. 
Um, but he's really into boats sometimes. So like, I'm like, okay, okay. I can verge our two interests on this one, you know? <laughs> it's like, you love boats. I love monster vampires. Speaking of Shudder and vampires and boats, did you see Blood Vessel by I chance? Haven't. No, is that on Shudder? Yes. It's essentially these, these refugees of a, of a U-boat attack, um, are drifting out at sea and they find like a derelict ship and they go on board and, you know, surprise, there's a vampire haunting it. And it's really interesting how it plays a lot into sort of, like, general paranoia. Because, like, it, survivors are all of different nationalities and different countries. And and just, in World War II, everyone's very, like, distrustful for each other automatically. Then there's, like, this monster haunting the boat. And it's using, like, this, like, essentially, like, psychic power. It's not to give too much away that it really like heightens people's like paranoia and plays tricks on them so like it's it's definitely like a goopy monster movie i think that will be fun if like you know oh this is like two very specific interests yes yeah that's that's my way of he's gotten better because we've we've been together since high school and uh he, he's gotten better at watching horror and he will watch some, but it's more the spooky realm. Like you said, at least there's like a wide variety. So I'm like, okay, you won't watch the gory stuff, but I can get you to watch the like castle and spooky and macabre kind of stuff at least. <laughs> One of my favorite horrors from very recently that I watched is uh, Neroi the Curse, Japanese found footage movie. I'm pretty sure that's on Shutter as well and to me, that's one of my favorite found footage movie. It's really good. It's very unnerving. Um, there was one on Netflix. I, I'm so sorry to, the name escaped me. Um, uh, I I personally thought it was really good. It, it was a group watch for AYCH, and it was uh, very unnerving. Uh, but essentially, what freaks me out about it, other than it being found footage, is that it's very much like the screen can't protect you. Like it's um it's very much like you know like a thought poisoning movie like oh if you think about it it'll get you type of thing we covered it on the show and i feel so silly that i can't uh call that name but it was it was kind of panned uh sadly enough by it seems like the larger horror audience but we here ayh and my roommates we all love that happens sometimes and then there's sometimes that like one gets really talked up and then you're like i don't know if i get like I'm not trash talking. I I never like trash talking movies because I know how much goes into making them. But um, I just couldn't get into Skin and Marink. I know a lot of people got into that one on Shutter, and I just if I can't see what's happening, I lose my attention span and I can't be yeah. there just for the audio. <laughs> I know that one was, was a very um, controversial one in that it's a very different type of movie and it was one i was read as i mean i haven't seen it yet i have friends who really enjoyed it some not so much you really just have to be very careful who you recommend it to like take height with a grain of salt because horror is is such a diverse genre and like what may be just bone chilling to somebody it's just silly or boring yeah. so like it's it just a just a wide diverse of interest and i and i have it pulled up the movie i was talking about was incantation on netflix i think i've heard of that i haven't watched it yet though i'll have to add that to my list it has ayc8 stamp of approval uh it reminds me of your course but we really enjoyed it and we're, we're big fans of found footage over here cool too. cool yeah i'll have to check it out i like found footage fans i they i know people are like very split on it but i, I think they're fun <laughs> Another upcoming one I'm very excited to see, um, Late Night with the Devil. What, is that like in theaters or is that a Shutter one? Or 
No, as far as I know, that will be a theatrical release. It stars um, David Dasmalkian, uh, who, who's going to he's, he's in like he's Polka Dot Man and his Count yes. Crawley comics. He's so good. <laughs> and I, I'm really surprised how he's really sort of gotten this big push in uh, horror uh, recently. Yeah, yeah. Um, but essentially, this movie is about. I think it is um, takes place in the 1970s. And this late night talk show basically has like this live on air Ouija board scrying and he has like a skeptic, a medium and a celebrity guest. And essentially they accidentally summon the devil on late night television and they are just sort of trapped in this sort of like pocket dimension where they have to keep the devil entertained essentially and it's, it sounds very unnerving yeah, th- there was one like that but that one sounds more fun and whimsical than the other one there's one i'll have to look this up too on shutter where it's kind of like that where they're like recording live a tv show and then it, i don't think they were like really using a ouija board but someone oh sorry i lost my headphone but someone happened to get possessed during it and they're like trying to get the demon out of her during the recording is basically the plot. So it's more of a, a scary one, but that would be fun. The like trying to keep the devil calm. That's a fun concept. <laughs> really appreciative at like how just with a lot of success of horror lately that we're getting some really sort of kind of far out concepts too. Like, but I know it may skirt the line of horror, but like recently uh, Bo is Afraid is getting a lot of acclaim from just being just so far and left field and like really unsettling and in ways you wouldn't expect yeah i'm excited for that one too anything that that one's an ari aster one right yeah aster yeah i his work's so so bizarre that's another one that's just totally dreamlike like of this world but not of this world at the same time (laughs) any other sort of like underrated faves you want to bring to the table is like hey not a lot of people know about this one people should really give it a chance shout it out Mm, i don't know i i mean i i plugged a bit of shutter stuff i'm excited for the uh the boulet brothers halfway to halloween special i don't know if that's a good segue into boulet brothers but (laughs) Very much so, which which is actually uh, one of our talking points because we just have like a mutual love for the Boulay Brothers. And in case you don't know, the Boulay Brothers, they are basically horror-themed drag queens. They have done like circuit shows and things for years, and recently they started their own horror-themed drag competition show, which uh, all the current season are currently streaming on shutter not a sponsor but we wish we could uh, get that shutter clout i started with season two because it was on netflix a few years ago and i just ate it up and i introduced all my roommates to it they all love it we had like watch parties for the newest season and titans so um for you how do you get introduced to um it? i had gotten a shutter subscription like you i think i started on season two because i think they hadn't put up the first season till recently um and just fell in love with it the artistry it, it reminded me of like if you mixed rupaul with face off like kind of a tv show <laughs> Um, so yeah, just the artistry and just the, the people, they, there's such heart behind their art as well. They're so fun to watch perform. And I, I really did like, I mean, maybe can't sit too strong of a word, but just like really just seeing like a different type of drag performance. Cause you know, people enjoy RuPaul and that's perfectly fine, but like, it's, it's very like clean cut. It's like, oh, this is very glamour. And like for them to be, you can, you can be gorgeous, but also really like, like gross and monstrous and like how they they strike the balance between that it's is a, a lot of fun especially how just like crazy and big some of their concepts yeah are. i i also love i mean 
I love RuPaul, but I I like how they differ in that they're not big on judging on the drag itself. Like, they always make note, we're not drag, like, talking about your drag, it's just how it fits into the challenge. And I think that's nice because a lot of people identify with their drag, so I could see how that could be really disheartening if, like, you lose based on your style of drag in the competition. So it's nice that they're like, no, it's just how it does with what we gave you as a theme that didn't fit. I think it's really a very inclusive, even though it's like a competition, it's very inclusive, which is cool. And because like they were one of the first televised drag shows to feature a drag king, which like, you know, is a very underrepresented aspect of drag, you know? And I think Landon Sider is like one of my favorite performers from the Dragula series. And I just love seeing him and like, it just like some really crazy, and just like awesome concept like his mariachi vampire and his um, reanimator inspired like um mad scientist like a lot of great yeah works. i yeah landon cider is amazing i agree with you my my favorites disasterina <laughs> of all the seasons <laughs> i love her person yeah uh, she actually has a copy of my comic and stuff she's really sweet she's cool really that's that's awesome but uh i i i just like that she's kind of you can tell i think because of her age but just she she's not in the drama she has more like wanting to help everybody in her kind of energy she's not trying to attack everybody and bring them down which is i think beautiful <laughs> in the competition because i know as much as like my roommates and i like we enjoyed like the drama there are some seasons where the drama gets very intense even for a drama. yeah show. like it, there's like a line like you know it's fun when they're like like little hints here and there of how they annoy each other but then yeah it can get aggressive sometimes <laughs> I think season four had probably like the most like we were just like white knuckled in episode. You, you mentioned Disasterina. Like, do you have any other favorite performers from the Belay Brothers Drag? Um, I really like Bitch Puddin, especially like her her alien themed. Um, oh, that that was a great. Oh, it was one, amazing. Yeah. Um, I love Sigourney Beaver, Dolly. I they're all great. It's really hard to pick favorites. <laughs> How about you? Uh, Bits Pudding was a big favorite. I, I know with, with my roommate, she's just like, oh, this girl, she's so annoying. She whines all the time. But then, like, after her big, like, rock star, like, performance, that's when, okay, that's when everybody turned their corner on Bitch. <laughs> she's still one of my favorites from that season. Uh, I love Hoso, Teratoma, Coco Kane, Dolly. Like, they're just, like, there's so many just, like, incredible, like, performers and artists. And just, like, how they come up with this. Like, Victoria James Black and how, like, she would build entire sets for her performances it was almost hard to watch her on the last season though because it's like she's almost on her own level because of her special effects and prop work i'm like this is almost like a she's on a different competition level than they all are like it's hard to watch (laughs) it's like she's like she's like universal studios and everyone's like kind of building out of their 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 back pocket or something It's, it's it just a level of like artistry and like i guess just mechanics they're just like I didn't think you could push drag this far as an Yeah, and I guess she, like, sells, like, I know she's talked about it on it, like, she sells, like, the breastplates and different stuff to, to drag artists now online since she does all the special effects stuff, and, like, I think she does special effects work, honestly, now. It's, like, crazy. Like, she's, it's really cool to see what her art's done. <laughs> and I honestly, I would love, I mean, I'm sure it's probably in the work to this point, I would love for them to like make their own like horror movie like the Boulay brothers like haunted hills or something you know like it's very like campy or just like straight up like you know gross and monstery and because you know we consider like all the different people that they've had and like all the different 
I guess, like skill sets they have. They, it's probably pretty feasible to for them to cobble together like their own. Well, when they do acting challenges, it's not like they're not ready for it. Like that would be cool. I know they're signed on to do a bunch of specials, so that would be cool if one of them was like, fingers crossed, an actual movie. <laughs> I, I think like having like a present like the Boulets on the shutter. I think it only sort of helps like elevate that platform because. Uh, you know, we all have Hulu, Netflix, and this, that, and the other, but, like, just to have, like, such a really unique streaming platform that has, like, a lot of just content you can't find anywhere else. I'm just, like, I, I, I want this because it's, like, it's weird to kind of root for a streamer, but, like, this is, like, I hope it I hope it continues on because, like, I found so many, like, great movies and new favorites on there. Just, like, I've... Just, just like stuff to feel like it's been just sitting in someone's closet for years like finally on earth for people to I know. see it, it's so nice too because it's like they really i feel like listen to like the creators and the production companies they really listen to the people watching like it's the first streaming service where i'm like oh okay they actually get what horror people like they're not just putting a random bar on there with a couple of like hit horror movies that like everybody's seen anyway like they really do have like and from to where they even have like foreign films they have like the giallo and the japanese section and it's 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 such a great platform it really is and um and how and how they'll have like features from like different like from like a diverse group of people like one of my underrated faves uh, when I first got the platform, uh, it was called Blood Quantum. Have you heard of it? No, I I think the only show I've watched on it is uh gosh, it's the one with the the cover where the guy has the teeth on it, and it's like a anthology where it's like different episodes. And I'm trying to remember what it was called. I think that's the only one I've watched on there, TV wise. Oh, then the bully. <laughs> uh, but for for this one, it is it's a zombie uh, apocalypse movie. But the the different vein of it is it's told from an indigenous perspective basically all the principal characters are living on a a reservation which takes place in canada and essentially all the indigenous population they're immune to the zombie bite so after years of being sort of excluded they now have to they now have to help all these other people that have sort of been disparaging against them for all these years and sort of like this sort of like power inversal and like how they deal with that but and sort of the danger that's that strides between while they're immune to a bite they can still be ripped apart by a horde of zombies and like how they're able to like do as much as they can but, but still escape danger yeah 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 they've got oh i'm like spacing on so many names because it's been a while but there was another one that was indigenous where it was a group of girls um, and they were fighting these, like, aliens, but it was, like, horror because they were, like, taking over, like, the animal life form. It was almost like the thing. It was taking over, like, animals and humans and, like, disguising itself as them. Um, and it was this group of indigenous girls who had to, like, defeat them. <laughs> that sounds familiar. I think that's Slashback. Slashback. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my memories. And I feel like there's, there's been a few more of those. Like, I think a recent one they have is, like, Aliens versus Kids. Or, like, you know, these kids get attacked by, you know, extraterrestrial. But it's, like, it's a very, like, goopy, gloppy type of horror. Like, I think there's, like, one scene where, like, a babysitter just gets just evil dead levels of just alien slime. Just, bleh, just like, all over them. I saw, like, a behind the scene on Twitter. It's, like, that's a, a lot of gun. <laughs> okay, I might have to sneak a peek at that one. Yeah, that one's on my list. That one came out, like, this week, didn't it? Or or it's coming out? It's, it's, it's very yeah. recent. So I think that's a that's a brand new one to look to look at. 
to sort of wind down a little bit, anything you'd like to tell our our, our listeners, you know, what what they can look forward to uh, from you, like what, are, what what's your next project, where people can find you, uh, sort of, but basically sort of let people know a little bit more about you as, as we get ready to sign off for today, uh, and just like what people can uh, expect to see. Um, well, Darla again comes out May 31st. I'm really excited. It's going to be in a lot of comic book stores, but you also can ask for it in your comic book store. I know they have it up on the preview website now. I, right now, I'm currently just kind of uh, painting and doing comics on my own for a minute just to see how this goes and just kind of coming up with ideas maybe to do another book, but nothing solid yet. Um, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter. Um, both of them are Brie Tippett's Art. Um, you can expect lots of horror and uh, comics, basically. <laughs> Very nice. I will have link to all socials and, and the description of this episode. And honestly, it's been it's been great talking to you. It's been a long time coming. I'm glad we're able to finally sit down and just like talk horror a little bit. And I would love to uh, chat more about scary things in the future. Yeah, me too. Thank you so much for having me on. This has been so awesome. Great time. You know, we'll get back in touch and talk more about uh, any any of the movies. We'll have review shows. We'll have games. Whatever you want to come on for, we'll be happy to have you just a little bit of note for our listeners in case this is your first time listening uh, we are AYCH we are a variety podcast broadcasting every single week from Alabama uh, we are one of the longest running podcasts in this in our state and we have stuff about horror we have stuff about food gaming comics movies we, we discuss everything we're like our title says we're all you can hear there's a little bit of something for everybody in our vast library our main channel to cajun greatness our nicholas cage movie review podcast and ayc's extra which has even more stuff from wrestling to movies to video games all you can want to hear is under one umbrella and we think we'll be well served to uh, explore our backlog i guess just to sign off thank you so much for speaking with me brianna i hope to talk to you again soon i'm very excited to pick up a copy of Darla when it hits uh, newsstands at the end of May. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. I had a great time and I definitely would love to be back and I'm excited to hear what you guys think about Darla. <laughs> Thank you very much. To sign up to our audience. Thank you all so much for listening and you can follow us wherever podcasts are found. That SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Google Podcasts. Be sure to like, rate, you subscribe. Helps us out, keeps us visible, puts it in front of you people. And wherever you are on the socials, there we are too. Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd, AYCH Podcast. We have a Twitch, we have a YouTube. Same name, all you can hear. Look for us there. We have even more content coming out for you. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll be talking to you very soon. Mm-hmm.